Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning. It's a Friday morning. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Mac Jenkins. We've got one of those programs that I think you need to sit back and just enjoy because we're going to talk all morning about business owners and what some of the things they go through and how you might be able to assist them. But more importantly, at the second half of the program, we have a guy coming up that's going to talk about a personal tragedy in his life, about uh, the need for the basic foundational parts in an investment pyramid. That's the foundation where you look and understand why you need disability and why you need life insurance. So you want to stay with us after that. But, Mac, I know last night you were down in the crowd. Uh, and, I mean, we've got a lot going on in Memphis this week. It is, Jim. We do. And, and we were down at uh, Barbecue Fest last night, and it was absolutely packed. And that's Thursday night. What's it going to be like tonight with the ball game going on? I mean, the Grizz have got to win tonight. Game, game six tonight. It's a must win it's for must them. Win. And I think they're going to rise to the occasion. But that's going to add another 40,000 people <laughs> down to the already you know, packed Busy. Tomley Park in Memphis in May. And, oh, it's exciting to be in Memphis today. It is it is unbelievable just the progression that that thing has done. It's just exploded. Yeah. I can remember a few years ago, they were just small booths. I was in a double-decker <laughs> booth last night that's maybe 30 feet off the ground. It's crazy. Uh, it's great for the city. It's great for what's going on in the Mid-South. And, of course, have you had a chance to visit the Bass Pro Shop yet? I mean, at this... You know, I have not. I have not either. I have, I've, uh, I've heard some stories. I mean, I you... had a friend who took uh, took somebody down there to eat dinner. And it was a two-and-a-half-hour wait to get your name on the list, list. <laughs> to eat at the restaurant. So the bottom line was you get to tour the the attraction. You know, it's a store, but I'm not so sure it's not an event. It is an event. Yeah. It is an event. It's not where you're going to run down there just to, to pick, pick something up. up. Right. You're going to go uh, You're going to go spend, uh, you know, six, eight hours. Well, strategically located for the city. It's exciting to be in Memphis today. It's exciting to be a part of the Memphis community with the Barbecue Fest. And, by the way, did you get to sample any barbecues? I did. I, I tasted some world-class barbecue <laughs> last night. It was amazing. I know we've got several of our guys down there that's cooking either for some teams, none of them for our team, but the, the reality, they're down there for teams, and they're doing a great job. Right. We do have five teams represented, so they were uh, they were all uh, preparing for the so next couple of days. So nothing's going on in the office today is what you're saying. We will be shorthanded today. <laughs> that's great. Well, if you just tuned in, of course, we're talking uh, – uh, this is Talk Money, and we're going to be talking about some, some very important subjects coming up. And I think the reality is is understanding how to deal with businesses. And the reality is exit strategies. And it's so important today for business owners to know that. So that's when we come back. But, Mac, uh, one quick question or one quick thought for you. I noticed that recently the uh, the we find out that Greece has finally you know got authorized to you know for the loan payment of seven hundred fifty million to the IMF. Of course, the eurozone finance ministers have decided that Greece may get further aid. They're not really making that decision yet, but they do say that they're making some progress. But that's a big issue for us right now. It is a big issue, Jim. If if Greece were to uh, default, 
or pull out of the eurozone that uh that could be that could be very problematic it could be, so it could be, they do need to get that loan and and i'm sure you know they'll continue to go through and do some more work on that. Well, it's a, it's a progress. They've been this is you know they said it would be done in three years, and then they're in their fifth year working through it. Uh, we just hope Greece uh, pulls it out and can do what they need to do. Business exit strategies. My guest will be David Rochester and Micah Powell. When we come back, you're listening to Talk Money on KWAM nine ninety. Have you thought about pursuing a career in financial services but have no experience in the industry and need training? If you are goal-oriented, highly motivated, and enjoy working with people, you have the skill set Shoemaker Financial is looking for. Shoemaker Financial is continuing to grow their team of financial advisors in the Mid-South, and they're ready with the training and tools you need to get started. With over 35 years of providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service in the Mid-South, you too can now be a part of their growing firm. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, contact Contact Haley Kemp at 901-757-5757 or email at hkemp at shoemakerfinancial.com. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Mac Jenkins. We're going to be talking about business exit strategies uh, with David Rochester and Michael Powell in just a few minutes. And if you like this program, you can always like us on Facebook or can find us on iTunes. Just search for Shoemaker Financial and go in and find this program. It'll be posted up in the next couple of days. And uh, if you get to you get part of the program or want to go back and listen to it or let somebody else know about it. And you can also, if you've got a question for us, simply send it to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. That's talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. And uh, we'll be glad to get the question on. In fact, some of the times with programs, the second half of this program comes directly as a result of a question. But this program is about the businesses that we see, small businesses all the time moving and, and developing. And David Rochester, Michael Powell, thank you, sirs. Thank you for being on the program today. Thank you, Jim, for having us back. Thanks. It's great to be here. Uh, Michael, well, let me start with you, David. I mean, there's a lot going on as far as businesses are concerned, and you've got some statistics to talk a little bit about some of the issues with business owners. Sure, Jim. Uh, Small Business Administration uh, has done a study, and it shows that uh, if you think about it, 90% of U.S. businesses, uh, which account for 62% of total U.S. employment, is from small family-owned businesses. That's that's pretty dramatic. We we tend to think of the large companies, the FedExes, the international papers, the Walmart as our predominant employers, and yet statistics show it's the it's the family owned business. Well, let me uh start with this, I guess. And the reality is is that I I want to talk to Michael. Michael, I know you recently did an informal survey with yes. about 150 different business owners here in the Mid-South. Mm-hmm. What did you find as a result of that survey? Well, what we did in this informal survey, we asked two simple questions. The first question we asked was, do you know the current value of your business? Nearly half of the owners that we asked did not know the value of their business. Second question we asked is, do you have a formal exit and transition plan in place for your business if something were to happen to you? And also, in that case, over two-thirds of the owners did not have some formal plan in place. Well, let's, let's go back. Now, you said less than half of the business owners that you surveyed. That's 150. Informal, we're not going to say this was done by Pew Studies. You actually 
went through a survey that we have in the office, and, and the survey is pretty extensive. I mean, it's got a lot of questions, but you focused on these two questions. And I guess for our listening audience, if you would like to look at these questions, simply send us a, a request at Talk Money at Shoemaker Financial, and we'll send you the actual survey because it does give them a chance to go through and answer these questions for themselves, correct? Correct. Okay, but now you focused on the two that you're giving me the statistic. Less than half of the business owners that you surveyed said they had some formal business strategy for exiting the business. Over two-thirds did not, yeah. That's did correct. not. Two-thirds did not. Wow, that's a, that's a big deal. So, uh, And the other half didn't know the value. No, they did not. And that's that's common when it comes to it, developing their businesses. It's really just about thing that they're doing, the relationships they're forming, that's the biggest value in their opinion. Okay, so but. they 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 feel like that they're they're striving to succeed. I wonder, Mac, when we talk about business owners like that, are they at this point still trying to survive? Yeah, you know, Jim, I, I think that, that they are and everything that they have when you talk with business it's owners wrapped around in is business. wrapped up in their business and it's their largest asset. Mm. And then what's amazing to me in in the questions that we did in the informal survey, even though it may be their biggest asset, they have no idea what the value and the value would really come into play is if they're trying to get out, whether it be pass it on to employees or the next generation or to an independent buyer, the value becomes critical. Yeah. David, let me ask you this question. I, I know you do a lot of work with business owners today, yes, I mean, where you're involved and in, whether it's um, you specialize in a lot of specific areas in the, in the city yes, and, and you've done a great job with this. What issues or concerns do you see that, I mean, the survey is saying that they're not totally aware, but what are you seeing? Well, and I think just kind of a little background there, I think a lot of us don't anticipate when that time's going to come, when we're going to, when we are going to exit the business, we anticipate it's going to, you know, be at retirement. 65, 66, whenever we get tired, whenever the doctor says we can't work anymore, uh, but not the more imminent things that could happen, such as, uh, you know, a, a disability or stroke or something where we can't return to work or, uh, you know, premature death, unplanned for, which I don't guess you can plan for your death uh, real well. But, uh, you know, those kind of things, divorce, um, you know, problem with a partner or co-owner. Uh, but but main, some of the main issues when we're looking at that transition, when an owner's looking to retire or exit, is uh, have they looked to see if they're going to have enough income and enough resources, not counting the value of that business? As we just said, it's their generally their largest asset. So what are the resources do they have? Second thing is, is have they even identified a potential buyer when mm-hmm. they get to that point? Uh, you know, you and I have talked about this. They can't just walk in, throw the keys on the on the deck, say, okay, guys, I'm gone. Have good luck. You better have a plan in place. But, you know, when you say that, nobody would do that. I don't think anybody of our listening audience would walk in, throw the keys on, and say, best luck. I think I think they're thinking. But don't you find it, that they're thinking about this, but they're not acting on it? I mean, it's it's in their mind. I know that it's in their mind. That, that's exactly right, Jim. And, uh, like, in my mind, I'm on a diet. But if you look at what I'm actually doing <laughs> – uh, you would disagree with that. Uh, okay, but, this is radio, and we can't look, but hey, okay. I can describe. No, and that's why I can say that. So, uh, you know, and that's critical. Is is it's 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 a very intricate thought process, and it takes time. You you can't make this transition with with a very short period of time. You have to plan ahead. We have a survey, and again, back to what Michael was talking about. And I want to make this the first survey available to anybody listening because it's got great questions on it. I mean, it's questions about. You know, when will I leave my business? Do you know, and get some idea about that. But under this buyer thing that you just mentioned, David, right. I mean, it's got, I know who will purchase my business. And of course, it's a yes or a no. That's it. 
I mean, I know. Well, I, I maybe I don't, and that's a question. I know who, how to identify a potential buyer, and they plan for an ordered sale. Well, Jim, let me say this. I, I think the big thing people, you know, business owners need to consider, and we're talking about family-owned businesses here, is how they're going to get the, the greatest amount of cash out of the goodwill and hard work they've put into that oh, business yeah, for sometimes decades. How are they going to get that out, and how are they going to have a formal process for accomplishing that? I think that's critical. Here's a question that's on this survey. And, again, anybody interested in the survey, just simply go to Talk Money at Shoemaker Financial. That's an email address that you can send it to, requesting the Exit and Transition Planning Survey. It will just shoot it to you uh, in the form of a, a PDF form. But uh, here's one. I have I have planned to relieve financial stress. I have planned to relieve financial stress that occurs at the time of sale. And people forget that that's is right. a big issue. The answer, again, yes or no. It's real simple, yes or no. And so one thing we've got to consider, and it, it ties into that, <clears throat> is if when you think about the most valuable asset inside a business, it's typically not your equipment. It's not, uh, it's not necessarily a product line. It's your, most, it's your key employees. It's those people who have the relationship besides you, hopefully, uh, with your best clients and who can continue to bring in that business. What if those key employees start getting nervous? They, hey, they see you, you, you're turning gray, you're getting older. Uh, they're anticipating you're going to want to exit one day. How do they feel about that process, and what can you do to make sure that they're comfortable and stay there? Because as as a buyer comes in, he's got to look to say, what what is this company doing? What are these owners doing to keep Keep us engaged. Well, that's a great point. Here, here's another question, and Mac, you know, this is one we talk about. I plan to transfer my business as in a tax-efficient manner. You know, people talk about selling the business, but is that tax-efficient? Absolutely. I, I mean, taxes taxes affect us all, certainly in the transition of the, of the business. If you haven't done proper tax planning, again, going back to what David said, you could be or create a situation where you are, are now in a in a cash flow where you're tied in cash flow because of mm. taxes that have come for the sale of that business. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that's important to know is in most small businesses or a lot of small businesses, that owner is the key employee. Right. If they haven't good, done a good job of training the, the people who are going to take that business over, it's one thing to write a check. It's another thing for that business to continue to thrive, not only survive, but thrive once that key person is gone. You know, for our listening audience, too, you're thinking, well, all right, how does this apply to me if I'm not a business owner? Well, maybe you need to be the one that says, uh, go listen to the program because it does stimulate the conversation. And, if you know, most business owners who've created a business have to understand, and I think most business owners do, but it's one of those things that's in the back of their mind. I am creating a business, and I am serving multiple people, their employees. And if I'm not there, what happens to those employees? That's exactly right. And what do you do? How do you deal with that? Well, you've got to identify who has that strong relationship and how you're going to transition that over time. Um, again, is it if it particularly if it's an outside buyer? I believe Matt mentioned that earlier. How's an outside buyer going to build that relationship? So, if the owner is that key employee, as we've identified, has that relationship. That has to be bridged, and that's not going to be done overnight. Well, again, that's the key, relationships, it's employees. Let's talk about retirement planning because here's the business owner. He's built this business. It's a part of his retirement plan. One of the questions in the survey says, I am certain of the approximate fair value of my business. Now, that key word I think there is, I like to circle it, certain. Certain. 
So if that's the thought process, David, how do you help a, how do you help a business owner? Because you're dealing with this every day with your clients. You're working with them. You're walking through this process. How do you help them get to a reality number? Great question, Jim. Well, I think every business owner I've ever spoken with has some idea in their mind of what that business is worth. Usually it's, more than what it's truly worth. Almost every time. Almost every time. Okay. Uh, and so we we have to determine what is the true value. Well, the true value or the market value is what a willing buyer and a willing sell, seller can agree upon. But they need something to build that off of. So you can go a couple of ways, but the main, you know, most suggested way is a formal appraisal by a qualified expert that can come in and do a, a diagnostic analysis of that business and what it's worth. But also it might be a good idea to have a general idea, and you can you can have an informal valuation done. So when you talk about that, I know you do that. You you have a, We have a system in the office that you can do that informal best guess estimate. Right. It's a starting point. That's exactly what it is. Do you find out that a lot of people are, are really, that's what they're looking for? Just give me a starting point, something that's reality. Then you you do encourage them to get the tax you know benefit, go in and get the CPA to do a real formal evaluation, but, but at least you're starting with something. That's right. I do believe that process needs to get started um, because most of us are, you know, we're busy in our business, running it hard, and we don't take time to stop and look at what this thing could really be worth. So going through a process, and that's the the model that we use, is taking business through a a questionnaire, looking at their financials, and and helping them determine an informal value. I think one of the the key things, too, in valuing the business – uh, Jim is is often business owners want to value it with them still in it. Oh yeah, and and they have to point. take them. What's the value of the business if they're no longer there? Are they the key employee? Are they the top salesman? Yeah. Are they the kind of glue that's holding it together? A lot of very profitable biz- businesses don't stay so after that owner has left, which affects his cash flow in retirement. You know, and again, Mac, you're exactly right. And, and David, you and Michael have kind of formed this partnership with this an informal agreement, I guess, where you're working together. Yes. And and the mm-hmm. point is you guys are out there counseling and working with the business owner. So I need to let people know that's listening. If you've got this type of need, you know, I think it's important that you know that David and Michael are available to at least consult with you, guide you through that. So David, how would they you know, I know they can call you at the office seven five seven five seven five seven, but right. what does it start with? How do you engage the client? How do you get the client to think about some of these things? Well, we've got to start with a with a preliminary conversation. I think this this survey that you've referenced is a great place to start. It gives them an opportunity to kind of start doing some evaluation, get their thoughts in order. And then we'll sit down with them and just kind of listen to what they're trying to achieve, listen to their time frames, their goals. There's no obligation for that. I mean, basically what you're doing is saying, we don't know what you need. We're not trying to go in with some presupposed idea and throw you into the same thing that the last hundred business owners get thrown in. Everybody's individual. Everybody's different. That's exactly right. So it, you're, It's you're, very tailored. Yeah. And so, again, tell people if you compare it to a medical practice, we're not – we're not trying to diagnose before you walk in the door. We need to we need to see what, what, what all's involved, what the symptoms are, what are you feeling. That is so important because I think business owners, we, we you said it earlier, ninety over ninety percent of the businesses today in America are, are business family owned small businesses. That's right. And Jim, if you think about it, I, I know you've been in the Memphis area for a long, long time, as have I most of my life. How many businesses we can think of if we put put our mind to it? No longer exist, yeah. but and just very solid family-owned businesses because there was not a, a good long-term plan put in place. 
Yeah, that, that's that's the critical part. It's the legacy that's of the exactly. owner that really wants to make it happen and work through it. Michael, and you're talking with business owners, and I know you do a lot of where you're discussing things with them. You're going through some of the survey stuff. Yes. Do you find that there's this interest, or are there is there when I say interest, are they really aware of this need, or are they just kind of you know like a deer in headlights? I think it's more in the back of their heads for the most part. They're they're thinking about it, but not it's not in the front end like you said. So what we try to do is put it in their for the the front of their head to make sure that they know that this is something that's real and if something were to happen they need to know what they need to do and what the plan is to be implementing. To be moving it forward. Yes. You know, Jim, the best time to be thinking about an exit or a transition plan is not when you absolutely have to do it. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I think for the listening audience, I'm in a, you know, as a small business owner, I have been in this for, and you're listening to my succession plan, and both of the, he and uh, Mac and Jeremy, uh, and we started with you 10, 11 years ago. Yeah, it's uh, been a, it, but it's been a process. Again, yeah. when we didn't have to do it, we you started that transition so when it gets time to pull the trigger, whatever right. day that may be, it's a smooth transition. Yeah. And that's something you can't just wait for it to happen. You gotta, it is a process and a training and all the things that take place. David, what are some of the steps that you try to tell everybody? We only got just about two minutes left, but what, what are some of the steps that you really try to move somebody through? Well, Jim, first of all, I think it ties back to what we were discussing earlier. You've got to start getting that process uh, in the forefront of your thinking. Uh, you've got to start establishing a, a trusted team. You know, your CPA or, or if your CPA doesn't have experience uh, through this, then you may need to, to add to your team additional uh, CPAs or qualified people from an accounting standpoint. Of course, I strongly believe you need to have a uh, financial advisor like someone at our firm that can walk you through a comprehensive process. And there's going to have to be some uh, some legal counsel involved uh, before it's all done because there's going to need to be some formal agreements uh, with uh, your your future owner. Uh, maybe even with some key employees that you need uh, to keep involved in the company. I think you've got to determine also, uh, as an exiting owner, what what are your income needs going to be? Uh, if you're retiring out, uh, do you have enough resources outside the business in order to do that successfully? Or do we have to work out some type of agreement with the owners to supplement that? Well, you know, those are critical parts. I'm thinking of one particular business that uh, we work with in the office where you had children that were involved in taking over, and uh, it's been a process. It's been a year-long process, and they were they knew they were eventually going to get the business, but they had to work through it. So you're That's exactly right. right, David. And also, Jim, it's a great point. Is it's it, Psychologically, it's hard, I believe, for an owner who's who's – who's birthed the company and grown a company to, to get to the point to where they can be willing to turn it over to their kids or anyone else. If you just tuned in, of course, you're listening to David Rochester and Michael Powell, along with Mac Jenkins and myself. We're talking about exiting, business owner exit, and transition. If you like this program, you can, of course, you know, find us on iTunes at Shoemaker Financial. Just type in the business owner exit and transition. You can repeat the program or send it to somebody. Get them a chance to listen to it. Great information, guys. We're going to come back in a few minutes. We've got Jonathan McCann. Alistair is going to talk to us about life and some of the general problems in life, about the financial investing pyramid and what's the foundations to that. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Mac Jenkins, and we'll be right back after this. Uh, this is Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM 990. Uh, we're just talking right now with a guy by the name of Jonathan McAllister, who is one of those guys that spends an enormous amount of time talking to people about the 
basics because he he's working with young couples that are needing the basics of financial uh, strategic planning. And the idea behind that is that they're moving forward. Jonathan's one of our associates in the office. And welcome to the program, Jonathan. Thanks, Jim. Good to be back. You know, Jonathan, I know when we talk about this idea behind um, risk management, and that's a, that's a topic that I know for your group of people that you're working with, and let's, for the listening audience, what would you say would be the person that you're spending the most time with in the marketplace today, the, the clientele that you're dealing with? Great question. My typical average client is going to either be one of two things, that young professional who's already in the workforce or the person who's within one year of getting a doctorate degree who is soon to be entering the workforce. And actually, as we were coming into the studio this morning, we heard um, someone actually talking about student loans and the importance of being able to establish some sort of repayment plan for those. And that's something that we're always working on, um, helping our clients implement into their plan, because one of their biggest risks is them not being able to earn that income if yeah. something happens to them. Yeah, so we'll get into that. So let's talk about it's that young married couple uh, just getting started. It's just moving into, the into the, I guess, the workplace. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Well, this program, of course, uh, if you find this program to be interesting and we want you to be able to pick it up and find today's program or a podcast and other past programs, just go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial and uh, listen to the program. And uh, that would be much appreciated. We thank you. And that's why we do that is because if you don't get a chance to listen to the entire program uh, about risk management and about the idea of how does it apply to you and risk management, then the, the reality is you get a chance to go back and listen to it. But Jonathan, the first question I've got, would you for our listing audience explain the risk management pyramid? Absolutely. Jim, I've heard it compared to building a house a lot of times. That's good. It's the first thing you're going to do is you're going to put down a foundation. Then you're going to put the walls up. Then you're going to put your roof on. And eventually you might actually end up selling that house and getting a bigger house. But the foundation for us is going to be that risk management element like we've just talked about, making sure that we have enough life insurance, disability insurance, that we've done our budgeting and that we have our debt under control. That's the foundation. Once we're putting the walls up, that's where we're really starting to accumulate, grow our assets, diversifying our tax strategies, and then finally distributing those assets to heirs, doing estate planning, and then just like Michael and David talked about before, doing some business exit and transition planning. Okay, so the reality is you start with a foundation, Mac. I mean, all the insurances, that's life, disability, that's health, that's property and casualty, that's covering that catastrophe. Absolutely, covering those risks that uh, you you don't have the cash for. Right, and so that's what we deal with first, and then the savings plan, the, the budgeting, the idea, that's all foundational. That's nothing... None of that's really exciting and sexy, but it is fundamental. No, but it, it saves you in a, in a time of, of crisis if something bad were to happen. And I think that's what people have to understand is uh, most everybody likes to jump up the pyramid, get started there. But today, I mean, I think Jonathan is talking about beginning with the idea of the foundation, the insurances. And so, David, I, I mean, uh, Jonathan, what I want to do first is – Buying, let's talk about disability, because I think people think of life insurance. They, they, people talk about life insurance all the time, but they forget that disability or income protection is a critical asset that they Absolutely. have to have. So let's start with that. I mean, the, the reality is more people focus on life insurance, mm -hmm. death, but more people need to understand the importance of disability. 
Absolutely. You know, the leading cause of foreclosures and bankruptcies in this country is disability related, either through some sort of physical illness or mental illness. Um, depression is one of the ones that's not talked about a lot, but we're starting to see a lot of, especially with people that are coming back from war or that have gone through a really stressful time in their life, especially for those young professionals, though. Someone, take a guy who's 26, 27 years old, has completed either an MBA or a doctorate degree and is moving into the workforce. The risk of him dying and needing to replace his income to someone is not that great. But the risk of protecting his future ability to earn an income while he's still living is of the utmost importance. And that's something that we're going to talk about as soon as we sit down with that person. Okay, when we come back, what I want to do is I want to focus a little bit on on the idea and what they have to go through and who should buy it and who shouldn't buy it. I mean, Mac, the reality is uh, it's a, it's a, it's something that people have to think about. But maybe what's the purpose of it? Yeah, I think that the big thing in disability insurance, you look at people, they would never uninsure their home. Right. They would, which, you know, if you have a $400,000 house, you're insuring that. Uh, in car insurance, things like that on the property and casualty side, just an, an easy example with easy math, 30-year-old making $100,000, if he's going to retire at 65, that's $3.5 million, right. and so often we see that go unprotected. Right. That's a good point. Well, we've got to come back right after this, but uh, we've got to listen to Rebecca Brazier, and she's going to talk about the Mid-South moment, which we always thoroughly enjoy. If you're tuned in, I'm Jim Shoemaker, along with Mac Jenkins, and we're talking with Jonathan McAllister. We're talking about risk management and the fundamentals and how it applies to you. We'll be right back after this. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital is a true testament to the power of promises. As a struggling young actor, Danny Thomas made a vow that he would build a shrine to St. Jude, the patron saint of hopeless causes, if he ever found success. After hearing a story of an African-American boy in the South who died after a segregated hospital refused to admit him, Thomas decided to fulfill his vow by building a children's hospital in the South. At the urging of Bishop Samuel Stritch and in partnership with Dr. Lemuel Diggs, both of whom had strong ties to the Mid-South, Thomas chose Memphis for the site of his hospital. After establishing the American Lebanese Syrian Associated Charities in 1957, Thomas saw the opening of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital five years later. Since that time, breakthroughs at St. Jude have increased the survival rate for the most common form of childhood leukemia from 4% to 94%, making St. Jude a recognized leader in the treatment of cancer. St. Jude has saved and improved the lives of children from all over the world, and it all began with one man's act of gratitude. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Welcome to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Mac Jenkins. Our guest is Jonathan McAllister. We're talking about risk management and looking at it from how it applies to you in the fundamental pyramid of uh, making things happen in your financial life and the, where you're working through the process, where are some of the things you need to start with. And, of course, Jonathan's helping us understand the, the basics, all the insurances, the budgeting, the idea behind having a, a strategy. But you've got to start with the foundation, and it's fundamental. And, of course, Jonathan, I appreciate you doing that for us, man, to help us get some clarity on that. 
All right, we'll come by. What I wanted to do is uh, let you remind you that you can listen to us. Of course, go to Shoemaker, go to Facebook. You can do that, Facebook, like us on Facebook, or find us on iTunes and search at Shoemaker Financial. You can do that. Jonathan, why are people buying disability? You know, Mac just said before, it's really to protect their biggest asset, and that's their ability to earn an income. So if you've got an income need, you know, how do you work through that process? I mean, how do you know how much to buy? Absolutely. What you're looking at is you're looking to protect as much of your living expenses as possible. So if I have a client that comes in and for, just for them to live, Jim, pay the pay the bills, pay the mortgage, keep the lights on, put food on the table, not go out to eat, not entertain people, but just to live. That's what we're looking to replace a lot of times. So, so let me help me understand that. Let's go through that, Mac. I mean, the reality being is, I mean, it is the largest asset. You you alluded to that earlier. Give us that number again and how you developed that number. Yeah, again, you, you take a 30-year-old, $100,000 of income, straight line it out. doesn't account for raises, things like that. And if it's $50,000 income, you just, can just, just, just cut, cut this in Just half. cut it in half. I'm using easy math I here. know, easy math. Uh, but a 30-year-old to 65, their retirement, that's $3.5 million. Yeah. All right, now, if you had a $3.5 million house, Jim, would you insure it? Uh, let me think. That's let an easy think. question. What do you think, Art? You know, you gotta go ahead. Art says go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. You have to insure it, and yet so many times when when we talk. If I had to, a three and a half million dollar house, guys, I don't know if I'd be doing this program or not. Absolutely, absolutely. But yet when we when we talk now to that people, I'm thinking about it, I would not be doing the program. Go ahead. Neither neither would I. Uh, we'd leave it to Jonathan. There you go. But the the thing is, when we when we talk to, and I know Jonathan runs in, into this all the time, when we talk to people about insuring that income, it's going back to deer in the headlights. Mm. And, and you know that nothing's ever going to happen to me. I'm bulletproof. Certainly yeah. with the with the younger marrieds that we talk to and in, in single individuals, um, and the fact that statistically a third of all strokes happen to somebody under fifty five. Yeah, I mean, so you're not bulletproof. We never know, and and you know, risk protection is a what if game. It's just what if. Yeah, the key is if you never need it, great. But if you need it, you need to have it there. I, I certainly don't need or expect to need my house insurance. You know, a lot of people talk about too that I'll get it when you know I'll get it when I get older or something. And of course, my thought has always been: Does the guy, the property and casualty guy, help someone buy house insurance when they can see smoke coming out the back door? Usually, uh, I mean, we do have some experience there. Yeah. Fortunately for us, we did have insurance on the building. Yeah. Uh, I doubt we could have got it on uh, October the 25th of 2010. Yeah, right. About 10 o'clock, it would have been too late. Exactly. Well, I guess, let me ask this, Jonathan, to you. Who buys it? You said, you, you know, people protect their largest assets, you know, clients that have the ability to earn an income. What about business owners and business partners? What about, do they have a need for that? Absolutely. All the time. Michael and... David referenced it earlier, but Jim, let's say you and I own a firm together, own a small business together, and something happens to you, and I'm bringing in half the revenue, and you're bringing in half the revenue. You're still alive, but you're not working anymore. Well, the value of our business just got cut in half, and me as your business partner, that's a huge risk that I don't want to undertake. All right. Well, then, so so I guess you have to think about if you're a business owner and you've got multiple partners, that that's a risk that everybody, because, again, again, how long would you have to pay that business partner, Mac? I mean, 
That could be a tremendous strategy. Who has the willingness to walk into your business partner after a year and say, I can't pay your salary anymore? Absolutely. I mean, that's something that that all business owners face. You take a a business partner out, and let's say it was split 50-50 duties or or split 50-50. You take one of those partners out. The other partner's doing 100% of the work. Is he going to be willing to continue to pay that partner 50% of the income, and he's doing nothing? That's the potential, and that's the reason for that disability insurance. If you just tuned in, of course, we're talking with Jonathan McAllister. My guest host today is Mac Jenkins. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're talking about really the right idea behind the risk management pyramid, the fundamentals, the basics. If you like this program, you can find us on iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial and get a repeat of the program later on. Of course, always like us on Facebook. We appreciate that. If you want more information or you just want to send us a question or a comment about the program, go to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. That's talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Jonathan, there's a lot of different kinds of disability. I mean, insurance policies. I mean, uh, we call them anywhere from the, remember the old Ford Pinto Mac? I mean, the, the little car up to the Cadillac. I mean, you can you can pretty much buy whatever you want. Right. But let me ask you this. What, what are some of the things that are absolutely important to have on a disability policy? Right. You know, what I always tell clients, Jim, is people buy life insurance because they love someone. People buy disability insurance a lot of times because they don't want to lose that standard of living. But what they're missing is the devil is in the details, especially in disability insurance. Mm. When we're looking at a contract and how it fits into a client's need, one of the first things that we're going to look at is what's called the definition of disability or what actually triggers that contract to start paying to that client. And that really is dependent upon the client's occupation, their age, and how big the need is. But beyond that, we're looking at things like is there going to be a cost of living adjustment? Or if an event does occur that triggers that payout, is the payout going to increase over time to keep pace with inflation? Is it going to be a non-cancelable contract? Meaning, what does that mean? Great question. So there's two terms that often get interchanged. One is guaranteed renewable and one is non-cancelable. Non-cancelable means that the insurer cannot make any material changes to the contract. Guaranteed renewable means they can't cancel the contract. All right, let's make sure we get the listening audience to understand exactly what we're talking about, Mac. This is disability insurance, again, the basic pyramid. Let's go back to the earlier part of the first program, the first part of this program. We were talking about exiting business owners. Let's go to the business owner. Let's go to anybody who has debt, that's mortgages, anybody who's trying to send kids to school. If they have an employer that's providing them with disability insurance, that's one thing. Again, we're told that 90% of the people in America today are working for a small business, and sometimes they don't have that benefit. They need to understand the basic fundamental need for disability. So what would you tell them, Mac? You know, I I think there are two things to consider. First of all, if you happen to be in a situation with an employer who doesn't provide it, then it falls 100% on you. I think the other problem that we have, especially with with business owners, is some businesses provide disability insurance. The problem with that, Jim, especially if the employer is paying for it, and you say you have 60% disability, okay, 60% earnings, people think I can live on that. The problem that you get into, if the employer is paying for it, it is then taxable and will reduce the benefit down to approximately 45%. Now, if I went out and did a survey, an informal informal survey, and said, okay, you make X regardless of what that number is, could you live on 45% of that? My guess is 
that a hundred percent of the people are going to say no, I couldn't. Yeah. So I think it is it is something that is needs to be taken care of. It's in the base of the pyramid. Disability insurance critical, critical to continuing to have the same standard of living should something happen to you. To anybody listening, it is a basic fundamental part of the risk management pyramid. You've got to manage it. It it happens. We've been on the recipient side of that. We've seen people deal with it. I've been disabled uh, before, so I understand that that can be something very critical. So if you just tuned in, we're talking with Jonathan McAllister, and if you'd like to talk to him about disability insurance, 757-5757 is his telephone number. Just ask for Jonathan McAllister, and he will walk you through. And you said the devil's in the details with an insurance policy. That's a great way of looking at it. We'll be right back after we stop for a little bit of... um, traffic and weather and uh, find out a little bit more what's going on with the market. Stay tuned. This is KWAM 990 and you're listening to Talk Money. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement, or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan, it's the results. Welcome to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Mac Jenkins and Jonathan McAllister. Let me remind everybody, we have two things going on in the office this week. In fact, May the 26th and June the 2nd, so that's not actually this week, Mac. Next week. Next week. May the 26th, that's a retirement GPS program that's gearing up for your dream retirement. That's done by Stanton Brown, one of our uh, young associates that's done a great job. 6.30 to 7.30, call Judy if you'd like to attend that at 757-5757. 6.30 to 7.30. The second one is June the 2nd by Ken Parrish. Uh, with, he is our guest. He's with Frank and Templeton. Generating income for living, income for what's next. And we're hosting that. And, of course, that's June the 2nd at 5.30 to 7. And dinner will be provided for that. So simply call Judy at 757-5757. And... Uh, be sure to RSVP. Let her know you're coming. Jonathan, uh, you've done a great job. Guy, I want to ask you a question. We talk about risk management. You've got a personal testimony on, on risk management and a death claim that you had to deal with. Would you walk us through that, sir? Yeah. Um, Jim, July 27th of last year, up until that point, I had never even thought about filing a death claim on a client. About 25 years prior to that, my grandfather, who was actually in the insurance business, wrote a policy on my mother. It was a pretty good-sized policy back then, but one thing that I had not done uh, as her advisor was keep up with that. And July 27th, she unfortunately passed away of an aneurysm. And we thankfully, we did have some sort of policy there. But one of the things that I've really learned to harp on with all my clients now is making sure that we have an appropriate amount of life insurance. Because one thing that I've promised to Shelly, my fiance, and to myself and to every client is that I'm not going to let what my family went through happen to any of them. Um, You'd be shocked at how quickly a couple hundred thousand dollars gets spent, especially when you've got two kids in college, you've got ongoing bills, burial expenses, cost of living. Things are just going to come up. 
And then eventually, if you've got a pretty good sized family too, you might even have relatives that come out of the woodwork with their hands and yeah. out to you and start asking for some money. You know, I know you said you had some insurance. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think, and I'm asking you this question, but I'm applying it to our listening audience. Right. Why do people say, I've got it taken care of and they procrastinate? Why do you think that happens? I still have no idea. I really don't. I think it's because everyone has that Superman syndrome, like we talk about a lot. It's just not going to happen to me. It's going to happen to someone else, and I'm okay. And I think part of it, too, is because the insurance industry as a whole sometimes does get a bad reputation. And because of that, people just they get very defensive about it. They don't want to talk about it. I think one of the big things, too, Jim, most people don't walk around thinking, oh, something's going to happen to me today. I've got plenty of time. We've always got plenty of time until it happens, mm. until something bad happens. And then, you know, we like to ask people, if the, if today was the last day you could get something, how much would you get? And they say, well, as much as I could. OK, how do you know today's not the last day? That applies to everybody. Uh, we never we never know. I, I may not make it home tonight. I need to, to make sure my family is prepared. Same standard of living. Kids go to college. Bills are paid. And as we go through that and as we work with our clients, that's one of the, again, going back to the pyramid, that is a basic fundamental. Everybody would like to invest in the stock market. I want to put money into the stock market. But if you haven't taken care of the base of that pyramid, you're leaving yourself open to not being able to cover those expenses. Well, if you just tuned in, and that's exactly right, Mac, you've just summarized it to uh, do a better job. The reality, we've been talking about risk management. We've been talking about business exit strategies. And if you would like to you know, get a copy of the program, find us on iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial, you can do that. If you've got a question for us, send it to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We've been talking with, actually earlier, David Rochester, Michael Powell, and we've been going through the process of discussing exit strategies for business owners. That's important. And of course, now we're talking about life insurance, disability, the risk management thought process, and how does that apply to you? I think so many people today get caught up in all the other stuff, as you mentioned, Mac, the investment side, but they forget the fundamentals. And I hope we've given you a program that has been helpful to to gain insight in the fact that how does life apply to you and how do you manage the risk management side? I want to thank you, Jonathan, for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Jim. Mac, you always do a good job, man. I appreciate you being here. Love being here, Jim. Well, we've been uh, going through this process. You've been listening to Talk Money, and I'm Jim Shoemaker, and I want to thank those that have helped put this program together. The producer and board operators, Art Frederick, guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner, production assistants, Eleanor Moskovitz and Katie Brashear. Of course, Mid-South History Moments, done by Rebecca Brazier, and it's written by Drew Johnson. I appreciate everybody being such a great part of the program. I want you to have a great day in Memphis. Make it a great day. Memphis and barbecue, oh, it's fun time. And of of course, I am pulling big time for the Grizzlies tonight. Got to win tonight. Gonna go Grizz. Gotta go Grizz. All right. We'll be back next week. This is Talk Money, and we'll be here helping you make the most of your money. 
Jim Shoemaker, Mac Jenkins, David Rochester, Michael Powell, and Jonathan McAllister are registered representatives and investment advisors representative of Security and Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax and or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and or legal situation. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Security and Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Advantis Capital Management and Security and Financial Services Incorporated are affiliates.